Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners and how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. One of my favorite things about this show is getting to have guests come back on periodically who have been on before. The truth is, all of us are the main character in our movie and are getting to be a part of each guest's path and watch their growth is one of the main things that fuels my fire to continue my own journey and to continue the podcast. With that being said, today's guest is a very dear friend who is an absolute force in the realms of business, language, and anything related to logistics. Not only this, but she is the third leg of the tripod that is Enlifted. As many of you know, Enlifted is one of the programs I went through that allowed me to make massive shifts in my life in a very short amount of time. This is because Enlifted is so much more than just a program. It's a community and a damn good one at that. As our guest today and I will be discussing, community is the number one aspect to shifting your state of being, as you truly are the collection of the five people you spend the most time with. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming Miss Kimberly Kesting back onto the show. Kim, what's up? Hi, Ryan. Such a lovely intro, as always. Thank you. Well, I had to come correct, you know, especially considering it's you and considering that I've had you on before. I wanted to make sure I changed the intro up enough to bring it full circle into what you've been doing recently with Lifted. You know, you're moving to Virginia tomorrow, which is amazing. We can get into that, too. And so I'd love if, you know, you could bring us up to date on what the last six to nine months have been since you've been on, you know, like, like I mentioned before, you've been, you've been in a lifted now, I uh, become a member of that. And I'd love to hear about what that's done for you and how being able to run the Tuesday night lives and, you know, really interact with the community has helped you as an individual with your moving with life, moving forward, all of these types of things. Yeah, absolutely. So since our last show, which was a lot of fun, we talked a lot about uh, food and health coaching. And that's what my background is in coaching. And I came across in Lifted and Mark England through my desire to become a better coach. What I got from that was I always understood that I wanted to work with beyond working with my own clients, I wanted to help train other coaches. And I wanted to be able to scale up in a way my own business and impact and influence to be able to shift more minds and impact more people. So if I teach 10 coaches, those coaches teach 10 clients. Now I've taught a hundred, right? We get that scale perspective. So I started working with the Enlifted team. um, Gosh, now I think, I think by the time that we did the last interview, I was just getting started with them or Mm -hmm. I had been uh, doing a little bit of work with them. And since then I've joined that team full time and my sole (laughs) mission right now in life is not my sole mission. Like my, one of my biggest professional missions is to educate people and coaches specifically on how to use the power of words and language to unravel some of the day-to-day stress that our clients experience drop into a space of where they can be the creator of their own life, creator of their own reality, and all focused around words and language. So with Enlifted, we are leading a coaching certification. We're talking about scaling that business out into uh, a business-to-business side. We're talking about a product that would be just solely for personal development. And it's really exciting to see our community grow because we've been, we have almost 200 coaches certified at this point. You know, they're all rad, yes, right? You're they are. <laughs> Certifiable. And, yeah. And we really pride ourselves on our community. We pride ourselves on the the type of people that 
uh, you know, and that we attract, but that attract us too, right? This is like a very reciprocal relationship when coaches come to learn the powers of power words, breath, story, and integrating that into their coaching practice. What we're finding is, and what we want to see and what we're excited to see is that those coaches are already experts at what they do. They're already super skilled in the realm of health, fitness, life coaching, business coaching, whatever their style of coaching is. They've got this awesome, rad professional skill set. They have this heart-centered way of them. They want to really help people, influence people, and they just want to get better at it. So mm-hmm. they're learning the tools of word, story, and breath to enhance what it is that they already do. So I personally, in this mission, it's been phenomenal for me to connect with all of these pros and learn from them professionally, learn from them personally, and then be uplifted by them, right? Be able to have them reflect to me, my role as a leader, my role as uh, the you know, we joke and we call the the queen thing. It's yes. literally like I'm like, oh my god, like I don't, I didn't ask for this title, but I'll accept it. You know, it's like <laughs> it's nice to be in this place to understand that I can bring people together in this community and I can support them and being better at what they do. And even when I in my health coaching business, I would say like I was like the goal for me to teach you about food and nutrition is so that you can go out and be better at what you do professionally, go out and be a better person in your relationships and your family. So to me, this is just like next layer of that, next iteration of that. And it's really exciting because as we know, this work is really powerful. Yeah. And it's all successive, you know, like one thing leads into the next, you know, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, they all give way to one another. And that's what I love so much about what you said there. And, you know, the whole word story breath thing, right? Like, is there anything more, classic human nature than words, stories, and breathing, right? Like, it's so funny. I talk about this a lot, how coaching in general is seen as this new wave, like very precise, uh, beautiful thing when really it is all that, but also it's such a regression back into what humans did for one another, right? It's the most human nature thing to listen to another human and help them articulate and work through their process of life and their experience of life, right? And so it's, it's so amazing you know, like I always say, who wins at the end of Star Wars, right? Like that's when everyone's talking about anything bad happening in the world. And when I see this transgression happening with people moving back to, you know, learning these these skills and these techniques that allow one another to help each other get through life, I get very smitten because for me, this is a very good sign that the world is moving in the right way. And and that for me is just so powerful, you know? And it's it's interesting too, because you mentioned when you're working with people that are like-minded and are also on a growth path, like I mentioned in the intro, you are the collection of the five people you spend the most time with. So that opportunity for us all to reaffirm one another and say, hey, I see this in you. I mean, for instance, for everyone listening, you may or may not know that I released a program recently called Connect With Cannabis. And Kim was actually the first person that ever mentioned cannabis coaching Uh, a year, year ago, just over a year ago. I was at, you coached me or yeah. Cannabis yeah. It was so powerful. I was like, dude, yeah. you need to do this for real. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and I let I credit you forever because you know it took me a year to finally get smacked in the face with it. But Kim was the first one that was like, No, there's something here. You should really look into that. And if you hadn't done that, who knows how long it would have taken me to get back to that. So it's that reaffirmation, right? Because we all have doubts, right? Coaches, we have a lot of them too, right? We it's even more challenging. It's like a mechanic 
who understands cars and knows when the head gasket's going. So he's like, oh, great. I know what this entails versus someone who's just bringing a car into a shop. Like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with it. Right. So a lot of times I know speaking for myself, I can get challenged because I know what patterns I'm running and I know what they can do. And so the stories can start going crazy. And so being able to help one another reaffirm and just control out, delete one another, like, listen, this is what you do. Go forward into that. And, you know, I'm curious for you, like what has been either one or some of the most valuable aspects to growing and lifted as a business and also you as a business, right? Like moving to Virginia, all these things, like what has allowed you to do that? And what are some of the most valuable aspects you hold in your life to be able to accomplish those things? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll start with this, with my own personal transformation that I uh, cultivated through using the principles that I learned and enlisted. So before I started working with them and growing that business, I was a student. And the point that I was at in my life right there where I started to learn these tools was I was about two, two and a half years into my health coaching business. I had a really strong desire to be a better coach. Um, I was doing a great job at it and I was overwhelmed by it because there was a lot that I I felt a little bit like an imposter at points because I had stories from other people that were projected onto me about what I should or shouldn't be doing. I had a lot of stories running in the background of my programming from leaving a corporate job to go into health coaching. I felt in, like insecure and unstable in being an entrepreneur, even though I was like really confident that I couldn't make it work. There was still a lot of this imposter that was happening underneath that. And then there was this element of, I strived to be a leader in the health and fitness industry. And I, up until today, today's my last full day living in New York City. Hell yeah, congrats. <laughs> so the, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. So New York is a very competitive industry with health and fitness and a very uh, diverse industry with health and fitness. There's the true pros who are the most elite trainers and people who really truly are professional coaches. And then you have a lot of people that work in, that are the, you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, the furthest thing from that, because they just have one third or not, and they're just out there doing something, right? So there's the full scale of what you could be as a, as a coach and how you could how you could really impact people. And I was striving to be one of the greats. I am striving to be one of the greats, right? Like that's where my, my vision had been. And when I decided to switch gears into health coaching and leave a secure, quote, secure corporate job that was going to pay me a salary and benefits and then decide to become an entrepreneur and become solely responsible for my income and my well-being and my you know way of life, that was a huge shift that was really difficult for me to make that I didn't have 100% support in. So that experience, right, even though I did it and I was two years, two and a half years into this coaching business, I still had that story running in the background. So there was a lot that I needed to clean up personally to be able to step into like my true next level of being pro and to like scale up in my business. So what, what Enlifted taught me was get those stories down on paper, recognize where I'm talking myself out of opportunity and start to understand that I can create a different reality and reframe with a few translations, inserting a few breaths, the biggest thing you and I can relate on this totally rate of speech, right? Yeah. Mark was like, you <laughs> I need feel to attacked. slow down. <laughs> yeah, I feel attacked. Like it was like, I was speaking so fast and, you know, 
how fast was my mind moving if my speech was that fast. So there was a lot that was wound up in me. And again, living in New York City, let's talk about the external stresses. Let's talk about the environment. There's, I, I needed to come down and breathe, get my breath more and slow. So I, through this process of becoming a lifted certified and number one, like right-sized myself because I had been, it was also in the very beginning of the pandemic. Personally, I was going through some transitions with relationships and there was a lot that was clouding my business side. So what I was able to do was like work through all that personally, which like I thought I was enrolling in a certification that was going to help me professionally. Mm. What I didn't recognize at the time was like, it, and it, well, it 1000% did it yeah. helped me professionally too. But what I didn't realize was like, like Mark is so good at it. It's like, we need to clear up your shit before you can go and apply these tools with other people. So I cleared out all these stories. I cleared out a lot of um, reframes, my beliefs, reaffirmed myself. And it's like, no, like I'm absolutely going to do this. And through that process, right. Of connecting with like-minded people while I'm doing that, who are all on this similar trajectory of me is like wanting to be, you know, some of the great leaders in health and fitness or in other industries within coaching, I was receiving a lot of reflections back to me that I was amongst my peers, right? Versus feeling like an imposter amongst people that were clearly more established than me, people I had listened to on podcasts, people I had looked up to and admired. Now we're looking at me and saying, girl, you really got something here. Like, keep going. So that community aspect really allowed me to say, oh, great. Okay. Now I can, I can grow from here. I can, I can level up from here. And part of what my background was prior to, uh, in this health coaching vein was like, I started a blog on Instagram. I was like an avid social media user and I had worked with uh, other companies doing social media management. And so at that time, Mark and Adam were looking for somebody to you know, they're like, hey, we need somebody to do Instagram because we don't want to. So Mark, so Mark knew that I had done this before and he connected me with Adam and brought me on board to support them in that. And in that journey, what ended up happening was that the uh, the natural evolution of me sharing with them as a reflection of the client, also as the uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, you guys can really scale and grow this business. You're looking, you need more than just Instagram. We're going to talk full scale marketing. We're going to talk lead generation. We're going to talk, how do we drive? How do we connect people back to get more people into this? Because one, it really works. And two, like, yeah, we just need more. We need more coaches with this skill set. We need more people who know how to do this because it really helps an actual change for clients. So that's a long winded way of, of the journey of how I ended up joining the team. And what made it easy for me to say yes to was I had that, I had that vision of myself leading coaches, teaching coaches, scaling within the coaching field, becoming a leader of coaches versus just coaching myself. So eventually what I did was I transitioned out of, um, uh, I was managing a boutique growing studio called Row House in Brooklyn. I transitioned out of that job, took on and lifted full time, let go of a lot, but not let go, but like completed uh, my nutrition coaching clients, wasn't looking for new clients in that realm. And since then, that has been the journey of really getting from the start to now. And I... Yeah, I really believe in this work. I really enjoy this work. And I really, my business brain gets to have a lot of fun with visioning what it's going to grow into and how we're going to get more people on board. And then it's super enjoyable to see the coaches that come in that work with us. And then 
the great work that they're doing as a result of having a very similar transformation to what I had, which mm-hmm. was just learning to believe in themselves and then having more effective tools to coach with. Yeah, that was, there was so many amazing gems in what you just said. And I took some notes and, you know, the first thing that I heard you mention was the whole feeling of being an imposter, right? And this is something that I am so excited to chat about because I imagine for many people listening, you fall into the exact same roles that Kim and I have where you start doing something, uh, especially something in an entrepreneurial way or something that's self-development wise. And your story, your inner critic is running heavy, right? Saying like, okay, you should be doing more. You should be doing this, yada, yada, right? And I remember I went to training camp for the soul this year, the retreat, and there were some exercises that the guys did where basically we would stand in a circle. And the first one was you had to, everyone was silent and you had to just walk towards each other and put a hand on someone that you admired. And then you had to square up with them and stare them right in the eyes and tell them what you admired about them. And then the next one was you had to, then put your hand on a man you felt intimidated by, right? And then you had to put your hand on the man you felt tension with, right? And you had to just say it, right? Maybe you had no idea, right? Most of us didn't even know each other. So it was more of just a feeling, right? These kind of things. And I was shocked because two people put their hands on me for intimidation. And I'm like the funniest, silliest guy ever. So like, for me, I was like, this is interesting. And, uh, and when they squared up on me, they were like, you're doing these things with the podcast and you're crushing it and you're doing all these things. And that was the first time I was like, whoa. I guess I am crushing it. Take out the guess. I'm crushing it, right? Like, and so it's funny how even doing all the work we do, those stories that frame us as the imposter can still get put into our frame of reference. And yeah. and without understanding that, I mean, think about it. Even the top level people, we know how many people are miserable and have millions of dollars, right? So it's like, why are they miserable? Well, it's obviously not the money aspect, right? It's not the security aspect. It's not, you know, food, water, those types of things. It's more than likely something psychology wise or psychologically wise. And, and that's why like this frame of work, getting these stories out on paper, having someone that you can do a one-on-one with or a group program with that can actually help you work through these things is the most valuable thing, period. And I'll go out and and say that because what you said personally, you were mentioning that, you know, it, it did help you in business, of course, but there's something even stronger. And that's something I'd love to dive into because whatever we do, business-wise, it's like it's like a top-down effect. We have to take care, sim- similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we need to take care of the personal stuff first, the emotion, the mental, and the spiritual side before we can actually have the physical side and go out and do things, right? And so without getting like super far into a wormhole here, basically what I mean is that if you're only going after things to help you in business, you're going to end up miserable. And I know that because I've done that and I've worked with countless clients who have had that same issue, especially I find in the men, we go out, we crush things, we do all the provider stuff and all this stuff, and we still end up miserable because we can't live with ourselves at the end of the day. So whatever we do for us personally automatically equals anything else, business, relationships, et cetera. And I'm curious because that path that you just laid out, that was you going from something that I imagine your mind felt secure with, right? Okay, there's a job, there's benefits, even the wording there, there's benefits, right? Like, it's it's funny how this language thing, you know, really is a deep, deep rabbit hole you can go down. But I digress. But what I mean is that I imagine there was a part where your heart clicked on and said, you know what, this new thing might not make the most logical sense. And I'm going to go for it anyways, because I feel it's true. And I'm curious, you know, I'd love to hear your advice for anyone listening, who's currently in that 
realm, right? Where they maybe have a good job, especially a corporate job, and uh, they don't love it, right? They're okay with it. Maybe they don't hate it, right? That's probably why they're still there, but they're feeling a calling and they're not sure how to make that leap. Like, I know we already went over some of the things you went through, but if someone's listening right now, what are some things you would suggest right now they could do at home that could help them at least get some awareness on like what they're feeling and how to work through that? Yeah. So let's bring it back to the imposter syndrome because Mm. that's such an important piece of it in my mind. And one of the things that we have the opportunity to work with is like anybody who experiences the imposter syndrome, which newsflash is everyone (laughs) at some capacity, it shows itself with very specific words and phrases that repeat, right? So it's not... It, we we hear it and it talks us out of opportunity, right? So when we hear those words and phrases like, who am I to do this? No one's going to listen to me. How could I possibly be successful at that? We Those are the things, like those same phrases will repeat and repeat and repeat in your own brain mm-hmm. and are going to say, you know, one of the things for me was like, I'm not educated enough to be a coach, that's not even true, Ryan. That's not true. I am like highly educated. I have yeah. a lot of experience. I, I'm a nerd for information. Like I was researching and learning and, and developing, or I'm not smart enough to grow my own business or to be my own boss, right? That's also bullshit, right? And I didn't actually believe those things. At my core, I did not believe that because clearly I still kept going. I still was taking, my heart was taking me in those directions. So there's a part of me that believes it and a part of me that doesn't believe it. Unfortunately, what happens is those those words and phrases are dialed up so that they stop most people in their tracks. And what we want to do is we want to turn the volume down on the voice that tells us we can't and that we shouldn't and gives us all these reasons why we should be talked out of the opportunity. And we want to turn the volume up on on the voice that's telling us you can do this. You can step into this, right? And it's the first step of it is to put those words and phrases down on paper. Because if you do that, now you can externalize them. Now you can look at and you can say, how every time, I, who am I to be a coach, right? That's one that we work with the coaches with and then lifted constantly. Because, and okay, why is it happening constantly? Because it's a thought that almost everyone's having. So if <laughs> everyone's having it, right? Then that means it's not you. It's not you. (laughs) That's the problem. It's a glitch in the language. It's a glitch in how we think. And when we allow those words and phrases to repeat and repeat and repeat, they keep us trapped in the place where we don't, negation acknowledged, want to be. Right? Mm. We live in that space because it's safer, quotes. (laughs) And when we take, when we externalize those words and phrases, we put them down on paper and then we go through, um, you know, like, who am I to be a coach, right? Let's look at that one right there. Well, what? The, now I can answer that. I can start to answer that question. Who am I? Okay, well, I have the this education and this experience. I have this personal experience. I have this desire to help improve the lives of these people. I have, um, I have done it, right? Here's the evidence of the people that I've helped. We can start to look at, and you know, that, that question, or I'm not smart enough to do X, Y, and Z. Well, what if we take out the not, I'm smart enough. All we had to do is remove one word, delete one word. Yeah. And now I have a totally different feeling in my body. I have a totally different experience. 
And maybe I don't believe it right away. I rep that with some breath. I say it out loud. I repeat it. I start to look for evidence. I start to turn and shift my focus where I look for evidence and to show me that I am in fact smart enough, mm. you know, that I am skilled enough in business. I made X amount of dollars on my own without, you know, like I start to look for the evidence mm -hmm. that points me to reaffirm what I want the outcome to be versus looking at the evidence that points me to keeps me small and keeps me in a place I don't want to be. Mm. So when we look at that, like the imposter syndrome is a really easy example because it's so universal. But when you're in this place of like, my heart wants to do one thing and my logic and reason is telling me to do another. Well, the very first thing that I encourage anyone to do, and this was, this would have been my advice even prior to learning about Unlifted mm -hmm. is to write about it, write mm -hmm. it down, start to look at, look at the story on paper, look at your words on paper and consider your options. Consider, you know, like if it's, I love the corporate job example as well, because that's something I've coached many people through. And that's something that I feel really confident in put down on paper, like what this is really providing to you and say, if it's, you know, X amount of dollars per year, it's these benefits. I love that. But that's the word that we use benefits. What are benefits, right? Benefits mean health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are the benefits? Yeah. 14 days off a year? Yeah. Benefits. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so, and then we can start to look at the things of like where um, maybe it's providing you a sense of community. Maybe it's providing you uh, as part of your identity, right? That's also something that we could say that I know plenty of people who are like, oh, I'm a high powered lawyer. Okay, well, that's I mean, it's a big part of your identity. If you're going to leave that job behind, you got to leave <clears throat> part of your identity. Mm. And then we can look at the things that say, well, <clears throat> how is this out of alignment with me? Where, what are the things that are causing me frustration? What are the things that are causing me pain? What are the things that just I really don't enjoy? And start to look at the difference between the two. And then start to put our sights on what, what would I do if money wasn't, <clears throat> wasn't the thing, right? Yeah. What would I do if, if I could just enjoy myself all day? What would I do if the... Um, you know, if I could just, if I could help, if I could just help people, right? Like, there's another thing. If I could just, well, yes. we could drama we can language. The words of that. Yes. Drama language, right? And we can say, like, if, you know, we can start to say, like, you know, we can do the translations of could to can, right? And we could take out the just and we can start to say can to will, right? Like, we can do I can because there's lots of ways we can play with the words mm. that when we really hear these sentences and these stories come up in our minds, we put them down on paper. Well, now we can edit it, right? Like there's a the difference between this and like being mindful, right? Being aware, right? Observing the thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, observe your thoughts all day long. It doesn't matter if you're observing them and your thoughts are like fucking up your brain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you don't want you don't want to just observe that. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. if somebody's being attacked on the street, right? You you don't want to just sit back and observe and be aware yeah. of it. You want to step in and do something. Yes. So same you're attacking yourself in your own brain. Yes. So step in and do something. Edit yes. it. <laughs> yes. You know, I love that because what you just perfectly said there was the feminine and masculine, right? The feminine is awareness, right? There's a definite huge uh, strength to having the awareness, right? To even being able to separate yourself from the thoughts and go, oh, I'm not anxious. I is the pure awareness that is me is experiencing feelings of anxiety, right? And even then, why are they anxiety? Why aren't they excitement? Because of the same thing, right? It's the story we're attaching to them that makes them what they are. And, you know, a question I love to ask people that control all deletes them pretty quickly when they're the money stories are coming is, okay, if you had $100 million in your bank account, what would you do tomorrow? 
right? And the last thing any of these people say is go to my corporate job. So that right there is all the evidence you need. You're like, okay, so this isn't a problem of like, you don't know if you should do what you love. The problem is you're not sure how much money you can make doing it, right? And so like, this is another example of how like working with coaches like you are, like I am, like all lifted is, you know, it control all deletes you because like you were saying, when you write something out, when you just have stuff swirling around all day, what most of us fall into, I know this is my case, is that we try to think our way out of it. And, you know, the famous quote, you can't solve a problem with the same level of thinking that created that. I believe that was Albert Einstein, right? And what he's mentioning there is that once you're already in overload mode, right, and you have a traffic jam in your mind, putting more cars into the traffic jam is not going to change it, right? And so at that point, it takes a subtraction rather than an addition. And so that subtraction is actually getting all those thoughts out on paper because the mind tells us, no, we can't let these go. These are important. So you have your cake and eat it too. It's gluten-free. Don't worry for anyone listening, but you have your cake and eat it too by getting it on paper. So then the mind goes, okay, it's still there. We know it exists. We're not going to lose it. Now we don't have to focus on it, right? And then when you actually look into it, like you were saying, you can actually look into like, you know, that question who am I to be a coach, right? You might ask yourself that question typically, or someone listening might ask themselves that question like, oh, who am I to be a coach, right? But when you actually write it out on paper, you're like, yeah, who am I to be a coach, right? And then you can actually start listing out all the evidence like you were talking about and be like, oh, that's who I am to be a coach. Like that's that's why I'm a coach, right? And this is like, you know, I love these kind of like mental jujitsu type games because I know both of us are very heavy on uh, mind games with ourselves, right? Like, And what I mean by mind games is that our minds enjoy going to the gym, right? Like we enjoy intellect, we enjoy knowledge, we enjoy these things, right? But the challenge is that, like the Bible talked about when it said, when you eat from the fruit of uh, the tree of knowledge, you pretty much everything goes to hell. What they meant by that is when our brains started going more left brain, we started identifying with only intellect and things. And I believe it's a Carl Jung quote who says intellectualism is a common cover up for fear of direct experience, right? And you think about how many people are hiding behind their PhDs, aka piled higher and deeper, and they don't really actually have a lot of the real world experience. You know, you see this a lot with addiction, you know, people that are addicts, do not resonate with the psychotherapist because they're reading it from a book and they really experienced it. Right. And so there's a difference there. And, you know, I'm curious for you, why do you feel as though sometimes with corporate jobs, we'll use that as an example. Why do you feel so many people get stuck there much longer than they should? And I have like a basic idea with this, but I'd love to hear what you think. My theory on this is that their pain point isn't high enough yet, right? Maybe they're not like miserable there, but they just kind of like it. And so the the second part of this question is, depending on what your theory is, what are some ways that someone listening might be able to actually identify what their pain points are so they can realize how big of a deal it is that they want to get out of there and do what they need to do with their life for their heart? Yeah. So my, I, I believe the reason is perceived safety. Mm. So not actual safety, not actual yes. security perceived safety and security mm. so or comfort mm. which is the same thing and yeah, they're kind of one of the same safety and comfort is is very similar and i could use this example for a corporate job i can use this example with a weight loss journey i can use this example with uh leaving a relationship like you know anything that feels safe and secure and comfortable it's difficult to step out of that because the other side is unknown and the other side is very much like this new thing. And I can use an example. This is funny. Uh, I was on my drive yesterday uh, coming from Virginia back up to New York. 
And Mark gave me a call and he's asking me about, you know, something like, oh, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm in the car, I'm driving home, I'm going back to New York, packing up my stuff. And then it's all over. And he goes, it's only just beginning or, you know, it's, it's just beginning, right? So he makes the translation for me. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Because what happened was an instant shift in my energy of me being, you know, even though I, I love New York City, I've lived here for a long time. A lot of my life has been here. I'm very grateful for this city. I am forever going to think of New York with like a sparkle in my eye. And I'm excited to go on to the next phase of my life and to experience something different, live somewhere new, be in more community than I have here. And so the idea of saying, oh, it's all over, what that feeling came up in my body was like, oh my God, it's all over, you know, right? Versus when I say it's only beginning or it's just getting started or, you know, shifting my attention from the past to the future of possibility and of newness and excitement. It's like, ooh, that feels way better because now my chest is lit up. My eyes are wide and excited, right? There's a little bit of fear in it because I'm experiencing something new, right? So coming back to that idea of like perceived safety is what we are what we are always seeking as humans is safety, stability, comfort, right? And to get us to leave our comfort zone. And this was actually the thing that started it all for me when I first started journaling, when I first knew I was going to leave my corporate job, literally my very first journal, it's like on the front page says life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. And it was that experience of exactly how you described moving from the thinking and the rational and the logical side and dropping into the feeling. Because what I knew to be true was that I did not enjoy my everyday life experience. I didn't wake like waking up to get to work at a specific time. I was usually late. I didn't like <laughs> sitting at a test all day, of course. Yeah. <laughs> my, rebellious, my rebellious side being like, I'm going to show up late and I'm going to leave early because I don't want to be here. And that's my mark of that, right? Yes. And so it was the idea of like, I conformed as much as I needed to, and I rebelled against it. And what I could feel was that tension in my body, that tension in my heart, the tension in me being like, I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't want this. It's not satisfying and fulfilling to me. And then my paycheck would hit my account every two weeks. And I'd be like, oh, it's all right. For another two, I can, <laughs> we're good here. Yeah. Right. It's like, but what I was using that money for was to then go numb in the bar, go numb at, in the shopping malls, go numb with travel and experiences that were even travel was numbing for me because it was let me get out of this place. Let me go experience something new and different just so I don't have to experience what I experienced. Yeah that's not cool. Like I want to go spend money on food and alcohol to be alive and to enjoy and to connect. Right. I want to go spend money in the mall because I feel great about what I'm buying and I'm excited to purchase this. I want to go travel and have my eyes like, and my heart open and expanded. I don't, there's no part of me that wants to go do that to just escape something else. And so what eventually led me to the place of being able to get over that fear of safety and stability was pain. Right. Like I could, I literally, the day that I quit my job, I was livid. Like I, I had almost one of those like flip the table and leave moments. Hell yeah. We're so alike, Kim. I just want to say that. I know. I know. <laughs> and so it was like, I had that experience where I just was like, I was looking around. I was actually in um, an all company meeting. There was a thousand people in a giant con convention room and um, in the middle of midtown Manhattan. And I showed up that late, didn't want to sit with my team. I saw this whole thing play out where they were celebrating my manager who I thought was a total idiot 
and like had never done anything of significance with his life. And I was just like, this will never be me. I'm not doing this. I immediately went back to work, emailed my HR team. And was like, I need to speak to someone immediately. Like I'm done here. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And that was the beginning yeah. and the end. And it was scary as anything. I will never forget that day. Like I will always remember it. Translation. I will always remember that day <laughs> because of how significant it was for me and how empowering it was. And I just kept telling myself that I was brave and that I was following my heart and that I didn't, I could focus on where I was going and let all of that go. And so the the pain point for a lot of people that gets them out of that safety, facility, security, here's another kicker, right? It may not even be at your doing, right? That pain may not come at your own hands. You're, you could get laid off. You could get fired. Your boyfriend could leave you, you know, like you could become ill. You could have, like, there could be a punch to the face that has nothing to do with what you wanted and everything to do with what the outside world is going to create a change for you with. And so this perceived safety is a lie, right? And something that this is interesting, I was listening to your um, episode recently with David Sheffcliffe, whether he's talking about, and he he brings God into this equation, which I loved because that was the thing that I was like, yeah, if you really like, you, there's no need for safety and security and stability if you have a belief in God. Yes. And you have a belief in something higher than yourself because yes. that's your safety, stability, security, right? And like yes. us psychonauts over here. Yeah. We know that experience. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we know what that is. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yeah. like, when you really step outside of yourself like that, that, and you're able to see all of that, and you're, you know, you become aware of the fact that. This program I'm running about safety, stability, comfort, it's all an illusion. And I can create, this is where I'll bring in the words and language. I create my own safety, stability, comfort within myself, within my heart, by breathing, by connecting to my body, and by recognizing my consciousness and my God, right? My, the God that lives within me, that is me. Yeah. And you can start working those translations. And you can start to become like, you can start to just click like, I am God. Yes. We all are. Yes. Mic drop. Like, you know, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's so funny too. Like the whole safety thing, right? Like you can see the challenges that happen when we prioritize safety as a society. I mean, look at what's happening in the world right now. Right. One of the main reasons I imagine you're leaving New York, right? I don't want to have to put an experimental thing in my body. Yeah. I don't want to have to. I be very clear about that. The reason I'm leaving New York was because of the politics that are happening here around the COVID yeah. vaccine. Absolutely. Yeah. It's ridiculous, you know, and it's so funny because I find many people getting sucked into this and we won't go deep into this rabbit hole, but it's very interesting how, you know, I, I, I know a lot of very intellectually smart people that are doubling down on this and they're trusting the same companies that have time and time again, shown their true colors. Right. And I'm sorry, but those kind of companies don't just change overnight, right? And do I know, quote unquote, what's going on here? No, I absolutely do not. No one knows what's going on, right? But do I have a feeling inside of me that feels very uneasy about this? Yes. And do I, have I had enough life experience to realize that anytime I do not listen to a feeling, I get bit? Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, Aubrey Marcus had a guy on, uh, I forget his name, amazing episode. And they were talking about this and they were talking about like, okay, Kim. So this is the same example he gave Aubrey. He's like, so if I told you that I could extend five years in your life guaranteed, right? You'd live an extra five years, but you could never see another person. You could never dance with another person. 
You could never enjoy music with another person. You could never eat a meal with another person. You'd have to be alone the rest of your life in the middle of nowhere. Would you take that deal? Would you add five years onto your life? Exactly. And so like we're in, in that scenario, right? We're quote unquote safer, right? We might live five years longer, but at what cost? And that's the big thing that no one's talking about here is how much is depression on the rise? How much is anxiety on the rise? How much are people feeling completely helpless? How much is loneliness becoming a thing, right? I mean, men over the age of 40, I don't know the women's stats, I imagine it's very similar, but men over the age of 40 have on average, zero people they can reach out to when shit gets rough. And, and so the I, I've looked into this. And, and this is just my own theory. But I've been asking myself, like, what is the limiting belief here? centered around this whole thing that's happening and why so many people are like hopping onto it. And my best guess is that a lot of people are unconsciously believing that if they're safe enough, they'll escape death. Right. And so I was going to say, I, I, exactly. And what this leads me into is my absolute favorite topic to talk about, which is quality of life. Mm, Yes. I really believe, and this is, this ties in, this is why I believe in health coaching as deeply as I do. This is why I believe in language coaching as deeply as I do. And this is why I believe in living in the moment. There is only interested in living a high quality of life, right? Like that's what I'm in pursuit of. I'm in pursuit of the best quality of life that I can create for myself. I am interested in supporting other people to create a great quality of life for themselves. And I am really like, focus on the fact that if I can live a great quality of life right now for the next 10 minutes, for the next 10 days, for the next 10 years, whatever that, whatever is my time span that I'm gifted this life, I want it to be good. And I want it to be fulfilling and I want it to feel great. So I'm going to eat the best quality foods I can eat. I'm going to hydrate. I'm going to have a spiritual connection, right? I'm going to take time to meditate. I'm going to take time to connect to my divine. When I do those things, I'm in my present moment and I'm supporting other people in their present moment. When I start to create anxiety and stress and inflammation of the mind and the heart and the body because of fear that's being projected onto me and because of fear that's being free floating anxiety that exists in our culture right now. What I actually, I listen to this great podcast about talking about mass hysteria which is mm. like where everybody's under this sense of hypnosis, yes. which is all about what's happening right now. And what yes. the difference is between this and hypnosis is that the hypnotist in hypnosis has control and they can snap and you're out of it. In this scenario, everybody's fucking hypnotized. Yes. Everybody is in a storyline <laughs> and belief pattern that no one knows who's in control. And if there is somebody who's completely in control, they're so behind the scenes pulling the strings that we can't, we're pitted against each other and there's all this anxiety floating around fear, stress that creates the exact experience that that person wants, right. Or that entity or that thing wants, which is for us to be living in that state. So coming back to quality of life, how do I live my best quality of life? Well, one, I move out of New York city because here I'm not supported in my choices of being a healthy, active, proactively supporting my own body and immune system human, right? It's yes. not welcome here anymore. So yeah. I will leave. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> right? It's like the, um, and I can make plenty of arguments about quality of life in New York city, not being great aside from that too, right? Like pollution and stress and, and just the experience of the city. Fine. Um, so I'm going to go to a place that feels more in alignment with me to be a little more free, to be a little more grounded, to be more connected with nature, Mm-hmm. And to be able to 
live my best quality of life, right? And so that goal of mine and that my goal to support other people in that is it all comes down to like, I want you to be happy and healthy right now. It seems cliche when we say that, it's silly, but really the main way that we do that, yes, food is important. Yes, hydration is important. Yes, relationships, all the things that we know are components of holistic health. To me, the number one thing is the relationship with the self to be able to drop into that spirituality, that aspect of finding your version of God, whether that's in religion or that's in your own faith or that's in just in your own self. And how do we do that? It's all, that comes down to the language that comes down to a feeling in the body and how we articulate it. And so how we express it, how we give thanks to it, how we give reverence for it. If we can cultivate that experience now, I'm like, this is like the, the deep end of the enlisted <laughs> principles, but what it comes back to is like coming back and translating, hearing those thoughts and phrases in our brains and our minds and our hearts, right? Getting them in a place where we can actually have our own experience in control in our mind because most people are not in control of their mind. Yes. They, it runs rampant. Yes. And so we realize that my words, my stories, my breath, it's how I control my mind. And by translating them, by looking at them, by understanding the mechanics of how this works, how I talk myself into a stress state and how I can get myself out of it, that's also important. It's so important, especially in this current political climate, especially in this current healthcare crisis that we're in, right? Like the pandemic, we don't have a COVID pandemic. We have a chronic disease pandemic, people. Yes, you know what causes chronic disease? It's stress. Yes, yes, <laughs> like, yes. You know, so like we, we have a big problem here and it all comes down to, in my book, right? Like we've now escalated what was already a really large problem by layering in fear and anxiety on top of it. Because now we're grasping for that safety, bringing it back to the safety. We're grasping for safety. We're grasping for stability. We're grasping for security. The only place you can find it is in with yourself, yourself it's, and God, right? And yeah. maybe you're the same thing in your book. Like, How are you yeah. want to rectify that? Yeah. Like, you know, like that's where I'm at right now. A hundred percent. And that was beautiful. And, you know, it's funny because when it comes to anything, it's always an inside job, binary language, strategic there, right? It's always an inside job. It starts from within and then gets projected outwards. What I find is that so many people right now are looking for things externally to help them feel good inside. And this is, again, like you talk about language and you talk about the media and you talk about how they're spinning all of this. And one of the things they say often is perfectly healthy individuals are still getting sick. Right. And I ask them, I say, you know, yeah, what, all the what? Time, people. yeah, yeah. And oh, also, yeah. And also, yeah. And what constitutes a perfectly healthy individual in the same country with a food pyramid has white bread in it. You know, it's like, this is what I'm talking about. It's like, you can't see what someone is feeling inside. Like we're both from the fitness industry. Do you know how many people are in a gym training two a days and three days because they fucking hate themselves and that person yeah. you looked at is a perfectly healthy individual because they can run a mile in five minutes or something like that's not an indicator of perfect health the biggest challenge here is that the only science in the world that we give credit to is quantitative right it's things that can be measured right so heart rate things like that right where at the same time there's this whole other side where science meets spirituality called qualitative science right energy qualities this is all the stuff that most people think is woo woo, right? And it's like, the first thing I ask these people is say, okay, so you think that say sound bowls and frequency and these things are woo woo, right? So you're telling me that something that's been around for eight plus thousand years, you figured it out. 
you 100% know when you're being that it's complete woo woo, right? And it's again, the, the, the language around like woo woo stuff, conspiracy theories, what makes something a conspiracy theory versus just a theory, right? It's like, yeah. what changes that right now? Also, you know, one of the things that I that I wrote down too is that people are on a massive scale, people, especially in the Western world, people are unaware of the nature of the mind. They have no idea what the mind is. How, yeah. It's, it's, but even it, neuroscientists don't know. Like those exactly. people who study this shit, they, they don't yeah. know. They yeah. don't know. We don't know how to do this. Like I was actually joking with, I was on a very similar rabbit hole with Adam and Vanda recently. Yeah. Yeah. And I said something about, it. I was like, what do you think are people that we were talking about? Like, you know, um, people getting like chips implanted into their brain and yeah, like, yeah. the future of human and all this stuff. <laughs> about a brain transplant. Like, do you think we could ever engineer a brain transplant? And we ultimately were like, well, there's, there's how, like maybe, but it's so like, there's so much we don't know about this that would just make it next to impossible to be able to do. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, from our limited scope of understanding, right. So somebody out there might know and have yeah. a plan and like could be plotting ahead, you know, just from yeah. this sense. And the idea of what exactly what you're talking about, the qualitative versus the quantitative science, even the quantitative science is skewed. Yes. Well, science is the biggest prostitution ring these days because people buy results all the time. Paul Check talks about this all the time. It's wild. Yeah. And I would argue like for bringing it back to your everyday person, because I always like to bring us back to earth for that. Like how can you as a human like manage this it's really simple in the sense of like feel into your body so like your body tells you when it's hungry your body tells you when it needs water your body tells you when it needs rest your body tells you when it needs a break to just like breathe and and to do something more fluid and flowing we have to we have to like learn how to recognize those cues and when you can do that when you can hear your own body speak to you right what is that it's not your wolf telling you that you're not recovered yeah. You know, it's not your my fitness pal telling you you don't have enough calories in for the day. It's strip that technology away, strip that quantitative science away and feel. And when you can feel that and when you can drop into that, you know, that that's the human experience. Yes. So to think that we as humans are separate, like that science is this governing body and and like no, it's not. It's not like, yes, we have great scientific, science is a method of mm-hmm. understanding and observing and experiencing and projecting, right? Like understand, like, and having this idea of, okay, this happens and I get this result. And so if I do this, then I get this result. There's, it, it's, it's not as hard and fast as people want it to be. Yes. It's not infallible. And we've made plenty of mistakes in science like i keep coming back to it like you know i don't know if we talked about this before or not but the guy who um doctor who discovered that hand washing was the thing that was we he was like in a hospital this is like where like hand washing hand washing used to be something that was balked at by physicians because it was like not important to wash your hands when dealing with dead bodies and then going to deliver a baby right and then they started to look at the fact that like oh no we actually do need there's germs that live on our hands that can create and a could be a, a negative impact, yeah. right? So he was ridiculed for that. Like he had this whole study, he was ridiculed, was locked into a, an insane asylum over it and then died because he got an infection from a doctor who didn't wash his hands. <laughs> now it's virtually like universal, like accepted that washing your hands is going to reduce 
germs that's going to protect other people, right? The same yes. thing right now, especially, yes. right? Wash your hands. Yes. And that guy who changed the whole course of medical fields, right, and prevented a lot of people from dying, he was literally locked up in the same asylum for that concept and that idea. Yes. So what else are we doing now that we will discover that is that is completely absurd? Yes. <laughs> right? That in some time is going to come out and oh, that's actually true, right? I mean, we see it right now in the food industry. That's the easiest place we can look. Oh, 100%. Right? That's, that's the easiest thing we can see where people thought, you know, milk, drink three glasses a day. God, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> please don't drink three yeah. glasses of milk a day. Yes. <laughs> you know, like that's not good advice. That's not good for you. We're learning yeah. that. We're discovering that, right? Same thing with the food pyramid. That we know is is bogus. And so, okay. So what else? Like when we look over the span of history, what else is going to show itself in that way that we're going to then be, oh, okay. Because science is only as good as the human mind that. Yes. You know, it's so funny you brought that up because one of the funniest things about science is that people forget that the people that do science are humans with an ego as well, right? And so yes. say if someone works their entire life and they're like a grand level scientist, whatever, senior scientist, whatever the right uh, terminology is, but say they're the senior scientist, right? And their whole life's work has been around this one subject, right? Let's use your example. Their whole life's work is around that you don't need to wash your hands. There's no germs there. Right. So then this new scientist, right. Maybe in his twenties, thirties makes, starts making these discoveries, right. And brings it to the table. That senior scientist is going to tell that other scientist to go fuck himself and lock him away in the insane asylum because his whole life's work is that germs do not live on hands. Right. So there's a funny saying that Paul check says a lot, which is science doesn't change when new discoveries are made. Science changes one dead scientist at a time. Right. Like when that when that senior scientist passes on, then things can have forward momentum. Right. And why is that? Because once again, even though these people have extreme amounts of intellect, they're geniuses on so many levels. They do not understand the basics. Their foundation is built in mud, not cement. And so therefore, their mind is still running the show, even though they're not aware of it. Right. And so what happens is, you know, with the mind, the mind is supposed to be the passenger seat right? It's a servile mechanism. It helps you create a goal. And then you're meant to get the fuck out of the way so that life, right? All the woo-woo stuff can help make it happen, right? Law of attraction, all of these things that we know now have a lot of clear science, right? Once again, around them. And so I love that you brought up like, what are we doing right now that is going to be looked at as silly, right? And and we already know, like you were talking about, we already know this is happening right now with food, right now with work, right? The whole idea of work, the whole idea yes. of grinding until you drop, right? And in Japan, I believe, or Korea, there's actually a term for this. I forget what it is, but it's like this. Uh, if you die while you're at work, you're like held in the highest regard. It's some tradition. I forget the name of it, right? Where like, if you die while you're working, it's like, wow, that person was absolutely incredible. They, it's almost like valor, right? Like, and that to me is just so peculiar because that shows, and again, this is a different country, but you know, America has a lot of this too, right? We're not necessarily glorified if we die working that part, at least we have, right? But we are glorifying the 40 hour work week. We're saying like, Hey, that's normal for everyone, right? And well, 40 hour work week isn't enough, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. Enough. Yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> 40. You're lucky if you only have to work 40. Right. And, and so like, you know, this is the thing too, is it's not 
necessarily that people are working 40 hours a week. It's that in most cases, they're doing something they're not passionate about, right? And when they're not passionate about it, then like you were talking about earlier, they're going to go out and numb themselves. And when they numb themselves and they use things like alcohol and bad food and people that they want to hang out with that complain all the time and they want to complain and all these things, then their physical body, their emotional body, their mental body, and their spiritual bodies all fall into a state of dis-ease, which is what disease is. It's dis-ease. It's disharmony in the body. And when that happens, you're less and less likely to have the strength to actually get yourself out of that. And so this is the the rabbit hole that so many people find themselves in. And that's why for anyone listening, if you feel that calling inside of you, listen to that. Because like Kim said, if you already trust your body to tell you when you're hungry, tell you when to go to the bathroom and tell you when you're thirsty, tell you when you need rest, then what is the difference between your body telling you you're not happy, right? All of a sudden that is not, nope, that's woo-woo. If, if the body's telling you're not happy, that's woo-woo, you know? Uh, and so this, this rabbit hole is one I love to jump into because this I feel is talking about what's really going on in the world right now. And, and it's tough because you can see these things in people, right? I see it in myself still. I still see these patterns in me and I'm aware of them and I do the work to get them the fuck out of there and remove this malware because that's really what it is. It's your mind running a virus. Like we all have these computers, but yet many few of us or few of us make the analogy that our mind is essentially a computer. And just like a computer, it works great when it's not like, completely filled yeah. Yeah. yeah when it's completely filled with pop-ups and viruses and everything and so you know that's one of the biggest things that i see happening in society is that you know a lot of people are stuck in one way or another whether it's their health whether it's you know the news whatever they're stuck in these malware programs and when they're yeah. in that it's impossible to talk to them they are under a spell right and yeah, i know I this, say, this is the victim mentality yes this is the victim yes. mentality where we're stuck yes. in that and what and this is where we bring it back to I used to believe, or I maybe part of me still does a little bit, is like that it's because this has been my experience. It's like, well, just find somebody to help you, help yourself, like get out of this and do the work. And, you know, it's like we know there's a correlation between like if you're depressed, that exercise will help, right? But how do you get a depressed person to go to the gym? It's very exactly. difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult because that person is operating from a place that they cannot take that step to go exercise. Maybe they could do it once, maybe they could do it twice, but they can't do it repeatedly Yeah, because they're in that loop, right? So the victim mentality, what happens in the victim mentality is that we, again, it's the words and the language and the way we are trapped in, yes. in the victim mentality is based on a lot of the language patterns that exist in conflict language. And we know, we know that when you allow that to be the thing that runs the show, and when you can systematically dismantle that by looking at the words that you're saying, looking at how you're telling yourself these stories, now everything's a lot different, right? Like I, this is why the enlisted work worked so well for me within health coaching was I could take my client's victim stories, which I, you know, they're not actually a victim. It's just this idea of like that they are, are have no personal responsibility or no personal um, ability to change something. Take those stories, take those words and phrases. A lot of it resol- revolves around projections. He made me eat pizza. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, do you have a gun to your head? Not, <laughs> yeah, like that's not entirely true. And rather than just like responding like that to, to a health coaching client, which is how I used to, you know, be like, hey, well, is that really true? Like, asking this question, it's like, let's, that's a projection. This is a type of language, this is a type of conflict language. Replace he with I. I made me eat pizza. Is that true? I didn't make myself, but I did eat it. So, you know, it's like there becomes more clarity and more more self becomes part of the equation. 
So yeah. we, the language works both ways. It can help us externalize something away from ourselves, get a lot of distance from ourselves and our stories. It also helps it hold that mirror right back up to your face and say, this yes. is my role is. This is where my action can, can happen and can be taken. And so when we have, you know, rampant vi- victim mentality, right? Which is that you are the victim of circumstances outside of yourself, even in the absence of clear evidence, right? Even if we do not have any evidence that's existing, we still feel that way. Or we notice that our words are talking us into that state. Well, how, again, the depressed person, like we know that if they just get on the Peloton, <laughs> you know, like they're going to yes. feel better. They get on the rower, you know, shout out to row house and row coach, yeah. and like my favorite <laughs> thing ever. Like it's, I feel amazing when I come out of those classes. You yeah. know why? Because like it, it boosts my mood. The endorphins make people happy. To quote the great Elle Woods, happy people don't kill their husbands. Yes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so there's this idea of like exercise makes people happy, happy people don't kill their husbands. Yet a depressed person cannot get themselves there, right? It's yes. very difficult to do. And so when we look at a society of people that are in that state of being in a victim state or being in that place where they are super constricted, they are running that malware, they are letting those stories run the show, well, can you blame them? Can you blame, can you get them across that bridge? And the thing is, is that yes, we can get them across it. And that's why people like you and I feel as passionate as we do. That's why we get on these podcasts. This is why we share things on social media. This is why we go and we influence people in the way that we do with a bright white light. Of like, Hey, here we can help. Right. There is. And like you said, like the light side always wins. So yes. we just amplify that. We go out and we educate, we share that. And we help people one step at a time. And I think it's important to recognize like that, give them the out of like, it's not your fault. Yes. But here's a better way. Yes. Because and oftentimes it really like the conditions of our environment and our society, right? It's not your fault that you walk into the grocery store and 95% of the food in there is poison. Yes. It's not your fault, <laughs> right? You didn't create the grocery store. You didn't source the inventory. You didn't go to the factory and make it. That's yes. not your fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. How can we help and support them get them out of it? Yes. And I love that because, you know, for everyone listening, I want to make sure you're aware that I have so much empathy for anyone who's, you know, currently in bad health, currently believing in the fear that's going on. Like, you know, I am very careful to not frame any of those people as lower than me or the enemy or anything like that, because that's essentially more of exactly what if there is a power that be or someone that pulling the string, that's what they want. Divide and conquer. Right. So and it's in every single aspect of life when it comes to uh, your job, when it comes to your personal life, everything. It's this divide and conquer thing. Well, if it's not me, it must be them. That's the blame. Right. And. I know because I came from this state, like, and I like to change out depression for deflated because what is depression, right? It's a lack of energy and it's an inability to figure out how to get more energy because you're so up in your head where energy is not created, right? That you're just stuck there. There's no, like, there's no for momentum. And so, you know, it's very easy for uh, us as coaches to look at someone and say, wow, like, you know, I remember what it was like, but come on, snap out of it, Right. And, and I've learned, right, both when I've had coaches do that to me and when I've uh, been in the situation where I've been working with a client and they, they, for one reason or another, can't figure out how to get out of that. Again, it's not adding things in that's going to help them. It's not saying, okay, you're depressed, go to the gym, start eating healthy, start drinking enough water. I mean, that's just like, that's terror for them, right? Like, no, I don't need that. So like for those people, what I really love is getting them to subtract. Okay, let's put some time in your day for you, right? Whatever that is, even if 
it's just to watch TV or something, right? Make them meet them where they are, right? It's a stepping stone process. The same way that if someone's addicted to alcohol, yes, the end goal is getting them to stop drinking, but you literally can't stop them from drinking right away or they might die from DTs, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, that's the process I like bringing people through. It's like, all right, what do you really love now, right? Or the even better question, what do you not have enough time to do in your life, right? And then maybe someone's like, I love watching movies and I haven't had time to watch movies and I'm really depressed. Okay, awesome. You're going to put a movie on your calendar every single night when you get home, right? And then they start getting a little bit of energy back and you're like, all right, cool. Now let's try when you're watching your movie, drink a glass of water before the movie and you drink another glass after, right? You start adding in little things and they're like, you know, it was interesting. I had a lot of energy after the movie and I like was able to cook dinner. I had some time to, you know, uh, look at new foods and things like this. And so you're, you're easing them in. And then eventually what happens is one day they just fucking skyrocket. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I decided to hit the gym. Uh, you know, I started looking in the alkaline water. What do you think about that? And also I got butcher box. Like, what do you think about butcher box? And I'm like, whoa, all right, <laughs> heating up. Right. And so that's what I love going through, but it's so important to realize as coaches, as people in general, for anyone listening who has, especially family members who you might be looking at, like, oh my God, I want to help them realize that how, even though your intentions are pure. Think about how your energy is being received by that person. Think about what it's like to wake up in that person's shoes in fear, in depression, in pain, right? And ask yourself, honestly, if I was in their shoes, right, would I receive the energy of someone, you know, especially a family member saying, do this, do that, do this, do that all day, every day, right? Even though that person's intentions are pure, they're not receiving you that way, right? And so that's a huge aspect of it. And that's why you know, with what's going on in the world right now, the best medicine is love. And it sounds hippy dippy. And that's fine. I don't care if if it's hippy dippy, because honestly, what the universe is, is pure unconditional love. That's what we are. That's what if you want to call God a thing or source or universe, whatever your terminology is for it, that's what it is. And I know that for myself, right? I know that is my own truth, not the truth by my own truth, because I've experienced it firsthand, right? When you interact with plant medicines, there are experiences that you can't quantify and put down on paper and they still exist. And so, you know, for most people, you know, that's why I love breath work because I tell people not everyone is meant to do psychedelics. And I totally get that. And that being said, you all have the ability to breathe. And if you are, you can take, you can have a very minute taste of that unconditional love. That is everything. And that's the best medicine for the world right now. And, you know, for anyone listening, wondering what you can do right now to help the world continue to up level, it's just come with compassion, come with empathy, come from gratitude, come from forgiveness and come from love, because those are the highest states of being a human being can reach. And if you vibrate at that level, people are going to just feel better around you. They're not going to necessarily know why it doesn't come from your doing. It comes from your being. And that's the biggest lesson I've learned in the past two years is that it's not more certifications or more, you know, degrees or more hours at work that are going to help me help the world. It's me allowing myself to have time to relax, to have time to fill my battery. So when I go out in the world and someone might trigger me, I realize that says much more about them than me. And I show up with compassion, you know, as much as I can, no one's perfect, but as much as you can show up with compassion, because if you show up like, fuck you, you know, it's just going to be a back and forth. And I wanted to touch on one thing real quick too, that you talked about victim mentality and, you know, this whole thing happening in New York right now, you could have easily looked at that as like, fuck, this sucks. You know, New York sucks. They're doing this to me. But in the way you looked at it, it was like, wow, I guess it's time for me to move to Richmond. Awesome. My adventure continues. Right. And so like, you know, with everything going on in the world, 
I truly believe this is the best time ever. And I truly believe that all of this that's happening is for an amazing, amazing reason. And so for anyone listening, whatever you choose to believe, just choose it's happening, choose to believe it's happening for you, because at least then the power is left in you. When you believe things are happening to you, it might seem better in the moment because you're like, oh, you know, your example, he made me eat pizza. So you're not to blame. But what are you doing? You're also giving away all your power. And where your power is, is where your whole entire reason for living is. So I wanted to mention that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. And yeah. <laughs> the the ability to recognize and to shift from the state of being in the victim state to into what I would call like the hero's mindset is really, again, it comes back to learning the language patterns. Because once you become aware of like the victim story that's running in you, once you become aware of the specific key words and phrases that are keeping you stuck there, that are keeping you trapped there, you can edit those and you can shift. And what happens is literally a physical change in the body. I'll go back to this, like bringing in, tying in, moving New York, you know, my statement of it's all over versus Mark reframing to me. It's just beginning. Yes. There was a very distinct, different feeling that came with that phrase. Yes. And how many times a day are you saying something to yourself internally or externally to another person that is creating a feeling within the body? Everything you say creates a feeling, right? So if you're creating feelings that are very negative all the time, yeah, you're not going to feel good, right? Yeah. The news, very negative, right? Yes. You can get on social media if you're not, if you are not cultivating a specific experience there, negative projections, fear. All of that exists out there. And by no means am I saying ignore it, right? Mm-hmm. I lived a phase of my life like that where I just ignored yeah. plenty. <laughs> and it's true. Ignorance is bliss. It's true. And I prefer to be a little more in tune now. I prefer to see all, all the sides. I prefer to hear what people are saying. Like rather than just saying like, oh, Fox News and CNN and this and that, that's bullshit. I'm like, no, let me watch that. Let me hear what they're saying. Let me, let me understand because there are people in the world that are looking at that as truth. There yes. are people in the world that are using that as their, as their compass to navigate off of. All right. So let me have that empathy. That's the biggest thing, right? That's the empathy. It's like, let me understand. Let me have an open mind. Let me hear. Right. And maybe there's going to be something on there that I hear that actually does change something within me. That's like, Oh, all right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And come back to this idea of like, well, if you want to use science and trust in science as your marker, well, what science, like, let me be a little more objective than even that. Let me start to understand what type, where, where am I making my decisions off of and, and how much of a scope have I really examined and understood rather than just accepting as true. And at the end of the day, right, like the best way to navigate any and all of this from deciding to leave your job, from deciding to make a change in your life, deciding any big shift or change in your life to tie up this whole conversation is all about learning to trust yourself, learning to trust your own heart, trust your body, trust your intuition, your mind, cultivate that experience. Because when you can do that, you are going to have that higher quality of life. You are going to enjoy being with yourself more. You're going to enjoy being with other people more. And that in itself is worth the price of admission, right? To work (laughs) on yourself. And if you can enjoy the time with yourself more, you know, then you're, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Because if you're sitting around when you're alone and you can't handle it and you don't like it, 
or even when you're around other people you can't handle it, you don't like it like take a look in the mirror here and i don't know that that's people who are listening to this show i think yeah, these yeah. people are here <laughs> no, they want to get into their mind <laughs> they want to yeah exactly like they want to get in here and they want to understand and they want to be better and they want to evolve right but again like i said we all have that tendency towards the victim mentality we yes. all have those tendencies towards imposter syndrome we all have those doubts and those fears so it's not just you and it is, in fact, like you want to get really nerdy about it. You want to look at the language patterns that's keeping you there. Come talk to us at Enlisted. We are yes. happy to free you from that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Put down what you're carrying and pick up what you want to carry, right? You have a choice in this matter. And, you know, what you were saying perfectly, the analogy that came to me is, you know, the universe speaks to me in analogies. And, you know, it's like a savings account. You know, these things don't happen overnight. But, guys, the time is going to go by anyway. If you start today, a year from now, you'll have a year in. If you don't start today, a year from now, you would have wished you started today. I know how these things can work, especially as a recovering perfectionist. It's like, oh, I'll never be the best, so I shouldn't even start. And that's so fucking silly because, first of all, you have no proof that you'll never be the best. And second of all, you'll never be the best for sure if you don't even try. So just start getting into this stuff, even if it's just like, oh, I go on. YouTube and I pick a random affirmation list and I listen to it. Even if you don't believe it, even if you think it's complete bullshit, just start trying it and see what happens, right? Start subtracting, start giving yourself more time to rest, to take walks, to go play. Like it's summer right now in most places anyway, and uh, the end of summer. And like I, one of the best things that my, that Alex and I do, my business partner, you know, Alex, but for everyone else listening, mm-hmm. you know, one of the best things we do when we're together is we literally have jams, right? A can jam, right? And, and what I, what we call that, that's actually a module in the program. And it's a playoff of our favorite game, can jam, where we get some music going. We fire up some cannabis, um, of course, love grown cannabis. And we get out into nature, play some can jam. And we have the best business meetings around that environment right? The biggest downloads. I mean, our whole program was built around that setting, you know, not in an office building, not in fucking dress pants, but on a goddamn like grass field in bare feet playing can jam. So it's like whatever allows you to feel more like you. Yeah. It's like, go do that, right? Like look at the people getting the results you want for anyone working a corporate job. Look at your boss. Do you really want those results? Probably not. Right. And results don't lie. No matter how much someone has a shiny car or an expensive house, they'll look beat if time is beating them. So find people that time is working with and they're working with time in a way where they're actually able to relax. If you're not able to relax, you're not really able to live. And so I love that. (laughs) So Kim, this has been an absolute, yeah. (laughs) Yes, this has been an absolute blast getting to rehash a lot of the same things that you know we chatted about at Lake House and go deeper in them and share them with the world. And I want to show the people, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Where can they find out more about Unlifted? If you know offhand when the next level one is starting, drop that for sure too. Level one, guys, is life-changing. I don't need to say it again. It's life-changing. Just do it. So if you have any of that information, I'd love for you to uh, <laughs> relay it to everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. So you can find me personally on Instagram at Kimberly.Casting. You can find me. I'm the person behind the at Enlifted Coaches Instagram handle and our website, Enlifted.me. And as you mentioned, level one, our next and final round of that certification for this year in 2021 starts on October 6th. And we've got, uh, we're going to be running two groups of coaches through that course. It's 10 weeks. We go through, we dive deep into the language patterns. We dive deep into the imposter syndrome. We dive deep into the victim mentality. And we're going to teach you real skills on how to navigate coaching your clients 
to get them through the exact same things, right? Because what they're experiencing and what they're doing, what's blocking them is the same thing that you're experiencing. And so we're going to teach you those skills through for yourself. We'll teach you how to use them with your clients. And you get to be part of the dope community that we, how we met, right? And mm-hmm. how we have connected and come to find some of our closest friends is all through through this program and through this community. Because once you are free of your stories that keep you stuck. You're free, more free of that victim mentality, more free of that imposter syndrome. It's very easy to connect and it's very easy to create really strong, lasting relationships with people who are on the exact same path that you are, right? And the continued connection and development that happens through that is my favorite part of what we're doing. My favorite part of like building this army of coaches to go out here and to really help, you know, as a heart-centered coach myself, you're the biggest heart-centered coach I know. As that person with that desire to really help improve people, help them move through this, like for themselves, regardless of the difficult world that's out there, it's, you're going to have a massive support system. You're going to have a, a massive professional network. You're going to get the opportunity to connect and do collaborations together. And I mean, you and Alex met through and lifted, correct? Yes. Or, yes. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. there you go. You're going to have a new business partner. There's all yes. those things. So, I'm sitting so on this podcast to... because I'm lifted. <laughs> yeah. from, from having the confidence to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, we really, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to, to be a part of a community like that. And it's really great to learn those skills to apply in coaching. And we're really excited to eventually launch Like this is probably back half of, or middle to back half of 2022 will be a, like, if you want to learn this and you're like, Hey, I'm not a coach. We're going to, we have a program we're going to come out with to do that with mm. as well. And if you want to like bring those skills within your team, we have our B2B like business to business side that we're working out. So we're really excited about how we're scaling this business and growing it. And I'm stoked to be a part of that team. Ah, That's beautiful. And Kim, you know, I've already asked you this question once. I'm going to change it slightly, right? But if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their why and purpose, what would Kimberly Kesting suggest that change be? So I always come back to this idea of like, why the, your why and your purpose, like you have to get quiet and hear your own voice. For me, the best way to hear my own voice is through writing and through stream of conscious writing specifically. So rather than sitting down with a prompt or sitting down with something that's like, oh, I'm going to answer this question, a practice that I have that I hold um, morning pages, three pages of stream of conscious writing is easily the most effective way that I have found to hear my own voice and to connect with my why and to connect back with why, what is coming through me as how to take action, how to navigate the world. And it may not come to you in the first time you do it. It may not come to you in the 50th time you do it, but I guarantee you, if you hold that practice of continuous journaling, continuous stream of conscious journaling, things are going to come up for you, come out, come out onto the page that are going to blow your mind and are going to make you recognize in you, right? Because it's about hearing your own voice, hearing your own thoughts. And that's something that I know most people are very afraid to do. So sit down with your thoughts, sit down with your piece of paper, sit down with your pen and let them come through and see what comes up. And if you can practice that and you can try that, you're going to find the answer to those questions. Oh yeah. Guys, 
You heard it first. The queen of the lifted has spoken. And when Kim hit me about doing a round two, I was beyond excited. If you guys and gals haven't noticed yet, I love talking. And so therefore, podcasting is a dream come true for me. That being said, there are certain people I could speak to for hours at length and continuously feel my battery being charged the whole way through. And Kim is absolutely one of those people. Kim is someone who, like I said in the intro, has inspired me to continue hammering and fall in love with the process. For everyone listening, I hope you were all lucky enough to have a Kim in your life. And if any of you don't and are curious about borrowing our Kim to work with, then please do yourselves <laughs> all a favor and reach out to her to make that happen. The amount of freedom she can give you with language and business knowledge is, speaking from personal experience, liberating as hell. Kim, thank you so much for jumping back onto the show. And until next time, journey well, be well, and much love over to you. Namaste. Namaste. Much love back. <laughs> What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.